You're tuned in to the R1 News, your stop for news and current affairs on the airwaves, 11 to 12 weekdays here on Radio 191 FM, Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Tēnā koutou i tēnei āta. You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 1, Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi, for Rahina Te Kaumadrima o Maramawaru, Monday the 15th of August. Ko Quintin tēnei, and for the first time in three weeks, I'm here to take you through all the top stories of the day, from now until 12 o'clock. Coming up on the show, i tēnei we have Eileen with the headlines and weather. Following this, the dirty politics for the DCC elections already begins. An R1 News investigation can reveal that mayoral candidate Richard Seeger has been using the domain hawkinsformayor.co.nz to redirect to his own campaign site. Following this, I'll be speaking with Dr. Jamie Mara of the University of Otago, who is the brains behind the free oral health clinic that saw over 100 patients over the last month. Then I'll have OUSA President Melissa Lama in the studio to talk about working conditions for postgraduate students who are fed up with cold offices that aren't fit for purpose. And finally, I'll have critic Tiarohi editor Fox Mayer to talk about this week's issue. But right now, here is the Beths with Silences Golden on R1 News.
Silence is golden, is golden, it's golden. Silence is golden, is golden, it's golden. Do you?
You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 191 FM. That was Pop 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 from Violet French, and then before that you had 9.30 from Imperial April. Joining me in the studio right now is Eileen with the headlines and weather. The R1 News Headlines. Kia ora koutou. Ko Eileen Aho. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has responded to allegations of bullying within the Labour Party, saying they are not widespread. Last week, Labour MP Gaurav Sharma made allegations of bullying, gaslighting and misuse of funds within the party's ranks. Speaking on Morning Report, Ardern said any issues raised are being investigated. She said with close to 250 staff members, there will always be time-to-time issues in employment relations within the party, but these are not widespread. The Parliamentary Service has determined no spending rules have been broken. An expert says there is a consistent pattern emerging amongst falling COVID-19 case numbers. Computational biologist at the University of Auckland, David Welch, told RNZ the seven-day average has dropped to its lowest since February. He said whilst there may be less cases being reported than in previous months, it's still looking, quote, pretty good. New variants are the main driver of oncoming waves of infection. And Welch says there are no signs of a new variant entering Aotearoa on the horizon. And those were the headlines on R1 News. How's the weather? The R1 News weather. I tēnei rā, expect cloudy periods in northeasterlies with sun peaking through, a high of the Komaroa, 12, and a low of Fitu, 7. Ratu, Tuesday, looks to be warm and damp, with a high of the Komaono, 16, and a low of Iwa, 9. Rain overnight and in the morning, clearing to a fine afternoon, with northeasterlies dying out. That was the R1 News headlines. Catch up at r1.co.nz forward slash news or find us at Radio 191 FM on Twitter or R1 News NZ on Instagram and tune in to R1 News at 11am on weekdays. That was Eileen with the headlines and weather. Coming up next, we have dirty politics in the DCC local body elections where mayoral candidate... Richard Seeger is found to be using a controversial domain, hawkinsformayor.co.nz, to point to his own campaign. But before then, we have Henneke with Strange Creatures on R1 News.
gonna change no matter what you believe. You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 1. It is 16 minutes past 11. Nominations for the Dunedin City Council elections only closed last Friday, and already scandal is brewing, with one mayoral candidate purchasing a misleading domain, redirecting would-be voters from another candidate to his own website. R1 News can reveal that mayoral and council candidate Richard Seeger is using the domain hawkinsformayor.co.nz to redirect voters looking for the campaign site for current Mayor Aaron Hawkins, Whose web ad- uh, to his own website. Uh, Mayor Hawkins' current address is hawkinsformayor.nz. Richard Seeger is listed as the owner of the domain on the New Zealand Domains Names Commission's website and is listed as having owned the domain since the 29th of July. The link originally redirected to a, website, uh, a page sorry, showing an old clip of Mayor Aaron Hawkins speaking at an event on climate change hosted by Victoria University Professor Mark Wilson. The content below the clip peddles common conspiracy theories about the world's elite. Seeger refused to comment on the domain and told R1 News to shove it. After Seeger was approached for further comment, the domain, uh, sorry, for that comment, the domain now redirects to an article on his blog about R1 News. This comes after a member of the New Zealand Young Nats was found to own the domain efisocollins.co.nz, which was set to redirect to the website of Auckland mayoral candidate competitor Leo Malloy, who dropped out of the Auckland mayoral race last week. The race for the Auckland mayoralty is heating up with candidates in a spat over a website domain mystery. Anyone clicking on officialcollins.co.nz or craiglord.co.nz is taken to a site showing the profile of rival candidate Leo Malloy. This move was described as not ethical but not illegal by the Electoral Officer for the Auckland City Council elections. This domain has since been transferred to the Officio Collins campaign. Auckland City Council Electoral Officer Dale Ofsoski says the domain ploy is not illegal, but not exactly ethical. There actually has been no breach or offence um, under the local electoral act, which is what I work under. Officer Collins became aware of the domain issue last year, but... Hawkins told R1 News that he was not aware of this domain, but had passed it on to the electoral officer for the Dunedin City Council elections to deal with. Hawkins said that this domain was clearly aimed to mislead the public, but he believed that this misdirection wouldn't be particularly successful. Hawkins said he was surprised to see this kind of politics this early in the campaign trail, and called it less than what our community deserves. Electoral officer for the Dunedin City Council election, Anthony Morton, was approached for comment, but did not respond to R1 News in time. Coming up next on the show, I will be speaking with a dentist at the University of Otago, Dr. Jamie Mara, about a recent clinic hosted by by the university and the dentistry department, um, which has seen over 100 patients and provided them with free, necessary oral health care. But first, here is Princess Chelsea with The Forest on R1 News.
You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 191 FM. It is 25 minutes past 11 and that was Princess Chelsea with The Forest. Over the last month, the University of Otago has held four free oral health clinics designed to provide much-needed oral health care to those in need and who otherwise couldn't afford dental care. I'm joined on the phone now by Dr Jamie Mara, house surgeon at the University of Otago who organised the event. Morena, Dr Mara, it's great to have you on. Thank you, great to be here. Uh, so Dr. Myra, can you please give me a brief rundown of these clinics? Sure. Um, so starting back in 2019, we, um, when I was actually still a student, um, I saw there was quite a bit of unmet need, and myself and Dr. Henny in LAN at that time um, decided we'd put together some weekend clinics, um, search for a little bit of funding, and uh, try and deliver care to some of the adults that we felt were unable to access oral health care otherwise. Um, oh, sorry, please continue. <laughs> yeah, so we've just been continuing on each year. We did have one-year uh, interruption from COVID, as everyone knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, every year we try to see between um, two to six Sundays as many patients as we can based on whatever funding we can receive. And so how many staff and students do you have at this clinic working with you? Well, each one, again, it depends on how much money we get for the year. But this year we had um, about $14,000, and uh, that gave us enough to run almost the entire first floor um, at the dental school. So we had 153 volunteers at our last count, um, which is quite a few. (laughs) But it takes a lot of people to run from reception, sterilizing, assistance, radiography, uh, just a lot of people required. And so what was your motivation behind organizing these clinics? So motivation, I think, is unmet need, just seeing adults that are suffering with um, inability to access oral health care. I mean, as a dentist, I was trained um, to be a health care provider, but oral health is not really seen as part of health care by the government. Um, as you know, uh, or many people know, WINS is the only uh, way to access um, funding for adults that don't have um, their own means to, to seek out dental care. And that's about a $300 grant. They're planning on increasing it up to $1,000 this year. But that does nothing for the working poor who can't access wins. Um, So, you know, yeah, oral health care is expensive. It's characterized by minor surgery, which means you need instruments and sterilizing and all of that costs a lot of money, which then is translated to cost for the patients. And so I think government funding for oral health is absolutely necessary going forward. And I hope that it'll be one of the issues that wins votes this year. So on that front then, would you like to see direct government funding for your clinic or would that look more like generally expanded free dental care? The clinic that we're running, and there are some other free charity clinics around New Zealand that run, um, but they are just band-aid. They're, they're not doing much, really. I mean, we saw 111 patients this year. Um, over four Sundays, and um, that's just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg. There are so many people who can't access care that I think it definitely needs to be addressed um, with a general access for adults as well as we have for children to um, receive basic oral health care. And so what future do you see for these clinics then? These clinics will continue as long as they're needed, um, as long as we don't have access to um, primary care. But I like to emphasize that it's 
they're they're just a charity clinic. And as much as we love being able to help, you know, 100 people a year, it's, yeah, it's disheartening to see how many people we have to turn away and can't provide a complete set of care for. Like, for example, with these 111 patients, um, we could only provide 19 specialty items um, overall, meaning dentures, um, canal treatments, that kind of thing. Everything else was really basic, so about 150 restorations, 150 tooth extractions, um, exam, radiography, and uh, scale and polish for just about everybody. But, um, yeah, just really basic care that we're able to provide with the kind of funding that we have access to right now. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining me on the show, Dr. Mara. It was a pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Jamie Mara of the University of Otago talking about the free oral health care clinics that were run over four Sundays last month. Coming up on the show, I will have OUSA President Melissa Lama to talk about inadequate heating for postgraduate student officers. But before then, here is Broods with I Keep on R1 News on Radio 1, Te Reo Irarangi, Kotahi, 91FM. <music>
You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 191 FM. That was Broods with I Keep, and it is 26 minutes to 12. PhD students at the University of Otago are sick of cold, drafty offices, creating unsafe working conditions. Students spoken to by R1 News spoke of wearing gloves in their offices, which were too cold for them to type properly, and they struggled to keep their offices warm. These students told R1 News that due to the need for heaters to be tested, they were unable to bring in their own ones to warm up their offices, and instead needed to request additional heating through the Property Services Division, which would oftentimes reject their request. Property Services Director at the University of Otago, Dean McCauley, told R1 News that most heating systems in buildings at the university operate a building management system designed to warm the buildings in the most efficient way. This meant that additional heaters in some offices could result in other parts of the building becoming colder. The University of Otago's thermal comfort guidelines state that during office hours, offices should have a target temperature of 18 to 24 degrees. They expect office users to be wearing winter clothes in winter months and for offices to have slight air flows, but not a draft. Buildings only being heated during office hours does mean that on weekends and in evenings, times when PhD students are often still working, these buildings may not necessarily be heated adequately, only worsening the situation of already cold offices. Joining me now is OUSA President Melissa Lama. Kia ora, Melissa. It's great to have you in the studio. Kia ora koutou. Thank you for having me. Uh, so have you heard from postgraduate students frustrated with cold working conditions? Personally, no, I haven't uh, in terms of in my role, but, you know, in conversations with other post postgraduate students, uh, I'm doing my doctorate myself. So I have been in a couple of cold offices mm-hmm. um, and they have mentioned that some of the heating is just not up to date or there is no heating in them. Um, so, yeah, that's not good. No, certainly not. And so with students having to resort to solutions like jackets, gloves, hot water bottles in their offices, what's your response to that? Look, I don't think it's good enough. I think if we're talking about the best chances of students being in a warm and safe place in order to think and put all their capacity into their writing, we need to provide um, you know, appropriate heating. And so I would hope that we are updating this in our buildings. Now, I do know that the university is working to update their buildings, uh, but we still have students here at the moment, and, and we just have to, be, we have to do better in that area. And so what action do you think the university should be taking? I mean, obviously they're taking some, but in in the short term in particular for these offices in these old heritage buildings? I think um, what I do know that the university is doing uh, to address it is they've offered portable heaters through the departments. Mm-hmm. Now, I think where the miscommunication is is the department to the students. Now, we have so many departments here at the university, and, um, you know, sometimes... Uh, Messages don't always get to students depending upon the communication level of the department, but they are allowed to, within their right, request appropriate heating, and they can have those portable heaters. Um, so I do um, think that the uni probably needs to make this more of a centralised notice now because clearly students, PhD students or postgraduate students, don't know that it's there. Yeah. And so we heard of one PhD student who was told not to complain about their cold office at their PhD meeting after six months. Um, do you think that part of this problem with the department not bringing these issues or being able to get them from the department could result from a power imbalance? Could could do, but I also think um, it's, you know, where there's the centralised voice, like who's holding them accountable? And I think it's important that uh, if you are relying on departments to let you know that those options are there and those services are there and they're not doing it, then who are students meant to go to from there is where I think the power imbalance is. And mm-hmm. so 
um, we can't always rely that at the discretion of every department. Like I want to have good faith that they do but clearly from our postgraduate students they're not doing it so I don't know who holds them accountable or if there is just a central place they can go to beyond just the department. Mm. Excellent thank you very much for joining me Melissa. Thanks for having me. That was OUSA President Melissa Lama talking about heating in postgraduate offices. Right now we have Who Shot Scott with Lona's Anthem and then afterwards I'll be talking to critic Tiaruhi editor Fox Mayer about this week's issue. You know I'm banned from the light I never come on sight because I'm anxious at night I've done this all my life and I was happy when I Did not compare to those who love to dance through the night And now it's normal life but I'm just acting alright But boy it's not on sight inside this action I might It's really not a vibe I'm super anti alike I can't compare to those who love to dance through the night And now it's normal life I'm just like Not for me, this is not for me I'm just like probably a lonely loyalty if I was
You are listening to R1 News here on Radio 191 FM. That was Freya with Cinderblock, and before that you had Louis Baker with Tiutu or Tiaroha. Uh, Te I'm joined in the studio now by critic Tiaruhi editor Fox Mayer to talk about this week's issue. Kia ora, Fox. Kia ora, good morning. Uh, great to have you in the studio. Um, I was a big fan of your editorial this week. You don't have to be this poor. Um, it's nice to hear. It's kind of a <laughs> bit of an affirmation. Um, I'd just love you to delve into that. What do you think needs to be done to stop students being poor, mm, other I mean, than just working more, of course? Oh, of course, yeah, just work more, obviously. No, I think there's this cultural shift, not just at Otago, but everywhere, where education is sort of turned from this public good into this privatized privilege where you know it costs more and more money to get it and if you don't get it then it's hard to get a job so you can afford to pay your kids to go to university and you know we really need to start thinking about what are the values that come out of an investment by the government into more affordable uni experience because you know if we limit the university cohorts just the people who can afford it or just the few select people who get in through specialized funding pathways you know you're going to end up with a, a body of tertiary educated students that isn't necessarily representative of the total country as a whole and that's what education really should be it should be a, a way for the masses to build a better tomorrow and i mean it's not just being poor that's the problem but it's the fact that these flats that are absolutely garbage cost so much money that it makes it expensive mm. for dignity. Right? Totally. Um, I mean, you, we were going back through critics from ages ago, and it was the same complaints as today. You know, it could have been written yesterday. So not much has changed in the last 15, 20 years in, in that space, and, and they're just as expensive. And so that landlord-tenant dynamic then, mm. what's uh, what's got to happen there? What what you know? What's your take on that? Well, I mean, maybe people need to stop running so many homes, but there was another piece this week that um, one of our writers, Anna, had, had written about uh, all male groups struggling to find flats. I mean, I know there was one on their 15th flat application. And, you know, it, it's illegal in this country to discriminate your applicants based on based on the sex of the applicant. Um, but it's pretty clearly happening. You know, there was a few people in here who have been told outright by potential landlords that they won't sign them just because they're guys. They won't even look at their references. Um, and that is illegal. You know, not, not allowed to do that. And so on flatting applications then, do we need to change the way we do it? Does it need to be kind of, you know, blind where it's just here as people, here are their references, you don't know who they are? Or what would what would be a solution to flatting discrimination? I mean, that would certainly eliminate some of the bias in it. I mean, every every barrier you put up to try to prevent it, you know, another workaround will just be found somewhere further, further down the line. I think it's a, you know, we need to get it across that yeah sure you know people in Dunedin have this reputation of being rowdy but it's really not limited to one gender I mean if you look at that YouTube video that came out about Castle Street a few weeks ago every flat was disgusting you know and there were all girls flats and all boys flats so either change how disgusting the culture is or, or stop assigning all that blame to just one party Interesting. And so another piece that I enjoyed this week was about the ODT running a paid article from the Chinese government, yeah. coming from People's Daily. Mm -hmm. will, will we see that in Critic? Oh, no, I don't think so. No. Not even if they bought an entire page ad? No. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do that for anybody. I mean, no, definitely not. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Sorry, we're at better standards than the ODT, I guess. <laughs> and then... Um, Another one, your curry review. This is going to be controversial. With yeah. Maharajas in ninth. I know. I did not write this, so Maharajas, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You're number one in my heart. Um, yeah, ninth, but technically this was the, the 10 best, I think, of like 22 that were sampled or 27, some some big number. So it really was the best of the best. Um, yeah, I, not my ranking criteria, but, you know, I, I didn't write the piece. 
didn't write the piece. I mean, that's reassuring. I feel like Dave would be upset if he heard that you gave them ninth. Oh, Dave's such a stand-up guy. I think he would take it on the chin. <laughs> and also, I mean, the curry is reviewed. What was it? Maharaja's 80% of their sales come from butter chicken. And butter chicken didn't make it into the sample. No, no butter chicken on the list. But, you know, that I think that came down to the taste of the reviewers. And, and I would rather that they kept it consistent and excluded butter chicken than kept it inconsistent and still had it in there. You know? That That's very fair. Well, thank you very much for joining me in the studio today, Fox. It has been an absolute pleasure. No problem. That was Critic Teotihuacan editor Fox Mayer talking about this week's issue. Uh, that has been R1 News here on Radio 191 FM today. It's a pleasure as always, and tune in weekdays from 11 till 12 for all the biggest news across Aotearoa and Otipoti. Right now we have Smoogie with Move here on The One.